In this episode, we hear from Michael Scales, former coxswain at the St Peter Port lifeboat, Guernsey. Michael, who received the RNLI's gold medal for gallantry for his role in the Bonita rescue, sadly passed away on the 12th of August, 2023. Well, the Sir William Arnold remains very special to me, not only to me, but the crew of St Peter Port, uh, lifeboat station and she was very well built at Osborne's shipyard in Littlehampton and extremely strong, seaworthy, seakeeping, kindly and yet today, 40 years on from our trip out in the English Channel, she is still afloat today and has been restored and is in St Catherine's Dock as an educational platform uh, in London. Well, that morning um, was quite horrendous and the weather was worsening. St Peter Port had received a May Day relay from the Charlottenburg who had reported uh, the situation with Benita. So the on-sec was called to the signal station. He then spoke to me and said, Mike, you've been out there in those conditions before. Please take extra care and try not to lose the dinghy this time. Just shortly after leaving St Peter Port, we broached and uh, that was the first of many broachings. But as we got to the north of the island, on the radar, you could just see walls of water, lines, which I'd previously seen on a, in, in the English Channel on radar. But knowing that you had to go and do what you had to do was a daunting thought. And my thoughts were, right, we've got to get the boat there. But also, I hope the helicopters get them all off before we arrive not until you see the daunting sight of a ship laying on its side knowing the amount of people that have to be rescued and the precarious position they were in then you have a thought well how am I going to get these off safely or as best you can and it was dusk it's snowing the seas were 15 meters high and she was, had a midship superstructure where everybody was housed in the wheelhouse. On evaluation, the safest place was to get them off the stern. She had a flat transom and um, that was, I thought, the best place. The only problem was actually asking them to crawl alongside on the hull of the ship, basically, holding on to the railings. Uh, to get to the stern. I mean, there was women as well. I didn't know. Uh, I was told there were children on board, but apparently they were rescued by helicopter previously. Once I'd made that decision, I didn't know if I could execute it. Obviously, my main concentration was the safety of the crew, that I didn't damage to the lifeboats 
uh, or to them. However, on my first attempt, I went alongside the transom and two crew members jumped on board the lifeboat and then we were on our way down a drop of about 50 feet, which at that time I saw the bottom of the rudder stock of the ship and the propeller. And we were on our way back up, but we damaged the bow of the lifeboat under the rudder stock. And at that time, somebody else decided to join the lifeboat, um, did a head dive into the lifeboat and subsequently, three days later, he died. So because of that injury, I had to have a rethink of what to do. Well, we just well, pulled back and then I had a conflab with Peter Bogle, who was second coxswain. I said, Peter, how would you like to go on the bow? And with a heaving line, I'll bring the bow in to, on, a, when, on the top of the wave and you make contact with the heaving line so somebody's got it and then I'll back off and uh, see if we can persuade them to jump. Now I have a great respect not only for Peter being on the bow but also for those crew members on board Bonita who decided well we're going to jump because personally I wouldn't have liked to. <laughs> so it, I think, it, I believe it was two Norwegian women crew members who took the leap and that set up the precedence for the rescue. But once they jumped into the sea, I was able to pull them away from the ship and then pull up the crew, then pulled them along and got them onto the low side decks and they were rescued but we had to do that quite a few times. Halfway through, we had 16 people on board. Uh, we had obviously a, a serious injury and the crew were exhausted. I was exhausted because it is concentration. You don't want to plough the lifeboat into, I think I did once, into the stern. Um, and also it's pitch dark and you didn't know what sea was coming at that time it was running behind us so a sea a wave could just pick you up and dump you where you didn't want to be so that a lot of concentration and my another problem i had was the sea king hovering above me now even with all the noise of the wind it's quite, you know, having a sea king on top of you um, is a bit of a worry in case he has a failure. So I had to ask him politely if he could move away. After our respite, and we went back in and carried on with the same method of getting the survivors off of the Bonita. And I wasn't counting how many people had come on board, but eventually the master was rescued of the Benita. And then I went, oh, thank you, God. That's it. 
anyway, he came up to the flying bridge and he said, oh, Captain, can you, I have one man left on the ship. And my heart sank. And he said, can you put some of your crew members on there, on the ship, to get help get him off? I said, sir, have you seen how difficult it was for me to get you off? I cannot put anybody on the ship. So with a sad heart, I, I made sure that other lifeboats were on the way. The Sea Kings were still in place. But it was with a heavy heart that you had to pull away. But obviously we had a seriously injured crew member on board. And so I said to the second coxswain, oh, can you set a course for Guernsey, please? He said, we're not going to Guernsey. He said, um, we're going to Brixham. Because I hadn't realised we'd drifted 27, 29 miles during the time of the rescue. And um, anyway, eventually we arrived in Brixham, still snowing. We were exhausted and it was freezing cold. And we had the Brixham crew were there to meet us. But I wouldn't let anybody off the lifeboats um, into the cold until uh, paramedics, ambulance crew took them in their charge. On the news of receiving a gold medal and the crew getting a bronze medal, I mean, it was a recognition for the rescue. We don't go out there to get a medal, we go out there to rescue lives. Um, but the sad occasion of the presentation was that we were there at the same time as the widows of Penn Lee that they're receiving their husbands or the sons' medals. And um, that was a very moving experience and our hearts went out to all of them. And um, it wasn't the, the same celebration. It was also a celebration of their lives that were lost. We actually took all our ties I still haven't got a lifeboat tie. I think it was, we, all the crew member, our guarantee crew, we took a tie, our ties, tied them in a big knot and presented them to the widows and family as a knot of friendship between the two lifeboat stations. And I believe that bunch of ties were in a glass case in a pub in Mausel. We will never forget, I'm sure. Uh, I look at some of these photos now, a lot of my crew members have since passed on. And um, time, 40 years, I just have to think, where did that go? And then I look at what the RNLI is doing now in their construction, their training, the college, and um, it's a new generation, but it's still get out there and save lives. Hello, this is Joanna Scanlon. You've been listening to the RNLI's 200 Voices collection. To hear more remarkable stories, head to rnli.org slash 200 voices. 
or subscribe to RNLI wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. 200 Voices is produced for the RNLI by Adventurous Audio Limited.